Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. No one was forced to have the vaccination. Who made the comment? Was it Dr. Thurin? I believe You made that comment? Right. You were in Australia during COVID-19. You must have been fully aware that people, nurses, doctors, people to have their jobs, to keep their jobs, were forced to have the vaccination. Now, do you retract your statement that they were not forced? I know that the vast majority of America is going to start with the arraignment of Donald Trump. I know that the vast majority of America is going to start with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. I mean, the vast majority of radio hosts in America are going to start with the story of Hunter and Joe and the bribes, which is the most important story in America. I say it every single time because it's true. It is a bigger story than the indictment of Trump without question. But you know there are things going on in the world that no one's talking about. Like this, uh, this senator from Australia, where a Pfizer executive is saying no one was forced to get the vaccine. We're talking about COVID in Australia. The lockdowns there, the abuse there uh, was, was stunning. People got arrested, forced into their homes. It was disgusting, despicable, heartless. Maybe the only place worse was New Zealand and the horrific Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who is now gone, and by the way, goodbye for forever. Don't worry, she'll be running the United Nations soon enough. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Oh, I don't know that for sure. I just assume because these people never actually go away. They never actually go away. They just, you know, get morphed into the, the, these new jobs. And here's the senator saying, are you really saying that, that no one was, was forced to the vaccine? Are you, will you retract your statement? To have the vaccination. Now, do you retract your statement that they were not forced? Uh, senator, no, I, I believe firmly that nobody was forced to have a vaccine. Mandates or vaccine requirements are determined by governments and health authorities. I believe everybody was offered an opportunity to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. I don't believe that anybody was forced to take a vaccine. A lot of Australians will disagree with you on that one. I think she's being too nice. You lying fraud. Man, there's been a lot of lying this week. I mean, even in a world of liars, this has been awful. I say this about uh, CEOs where I live in Indianapolis. None of you should ever, ever raise your head high. You should be ashamed if you told your employees vaccinated or you don't have a job. You should forever live in shame. You abusive, abusive jerks. Of course you did it. You're not good people. Don't you know that? Don't you know that you're not good? Don't you know that the people who work for you hate you? They don't work for you, by the way. It's just a job till they can find anything better or until the sweet meteor of death comes their way. They just don't like you. And after all, what's there to like? You're a giant jerk. 
It's a funny thing about CEOs. You get too detached, you don't know you're a jerk. Force people into getting a vaccine. That makes you a jerk. You weren't worried about their health. You were just a scared little child. But for Pfizer to say it, that's that's cuckoo talk. That's crazy town right there. Crazy town is Senator Kirsten Cinema, The independent Democrat. Was she a socialist? What's going on? Um, this is, uh, this is her hosting a round table where she is upset that other states, like for example, New York are getting dollars sent their way from the federal government because of the migrant crisis. My staff is going to be really upset, but I'm going to tell you the truth here. The reason the money is going to the New York is because the Speaker of the House is from New York and the Leader of the United States Senate is from New York. That is how a bunch of money went to New York. Wait, wait, wait. The Speaker of the House? Kevin McCarthy's from New York? Kevin McCarthy represents California. I mean, wait, was he was he born in New York? No, he was born in Bakersfield. So I'm, I, I mean, even if you were talking about another speaker, you mean the Democratic leader of the House? Oh, the Democratic leader of the House is Hakeem Jeffries. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Maybe that's what she meant. Maybe that's a sh- weird thing to blame it on. But continue. Some, yeah, some, some are, but look, this is something I fought for when I fought really hard to ensure that this money got included in the omnibus budget in December of last year. Amanda remembers this and we fought really hard to get this in that the money was intended and there's language that was put in, in the law that said it should be, it should be going for decompression at the border. The fact that a yeoman's amount of this money went to New York City, in my opinion, is wrong because they are not a border state and they are not facing the kind of pressure that we are facing here. I absolutely love this conversation. And you say to me, Tony, this has nothing to do with uh, Trump's arraignment. You're right. Trump was arraigned. Next. I also uh, had a very in-depth conversation with Cornell Law Professor William Jacobson about whether or not there's an actual crime committed. You got to hear his take. It's outstanding and will, for anybody who is a doubter or has got questions, really give you a moment of reset of, oh, that's a way to look at it. The imperativeness of us remembering that there are other stories out there, big stories out there, major league stories out there, is because they... And I mean they. I don't even have to be like amorphous about it. The political left, the mainstream media don't want you discussing the other things because the other things might lead you to have other thoughts that they are not interested in. Narrative setting is not just about the story they tell. It's about the stories they don't tell. New York getting the money is an absolutely amazing story that should outrage Arizona and New Mexico and Texas. But why does it matter so much in Arizona? Because Arizona could go for Republicans.
Last thing in the world you want to do is tell the people of Arizona, yeah, you're a border state, but New Yorkers have a congestion problem, so they get the cash. Best of luck, little Westerners. Oh, no, no, no. This is where we go, where we have to do our CNN hits. And as you know, that's very important to us. So New York gets the attention. New York gets the money. And you figure it out, sucker. I mean, Arizona folk. Being the Midwesterners that we are, which after this amount of time, I I put myself in uh, joyfully, may I add. We understand all too well how media bases itself on the coast and doesn't give a good holy damn about you, me, and we. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't care. They don't care. They have never cared. If the epicenter of COVID had been Helena, Montana, CNN would not have talked about COVID. They would have said, and in Montana, some people have a cold. Now, back to Jim Acosta talking about Donald Trump. He really is the greatest problem the world has ever seen, isn't he, Jim? Well, that's right, Brian Stelter, and here's why. And that would have been the whole thing. You know it, I know it, of course that's true. If the center of COVID had been Helena, Montana, no one would be talking about COVID. But that's a nice kick to the Democratic leadership that you only give a damn now because it's affecting you. So why doesn't Cinema? I don't suggest she become a Republican. She's not a Republican. Nothing about her is a Republican. What is fascinating about the Senator Cinema story is that you'll remember when she ran, uh, this was somebody who was teaming up with the socialists. That's who she was. It was nutty. And then this weird, weird, weird thing happened. She started punching people in the throat. And you're like, okay, I'm confused. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Okay, what is this woman about? Okay, what the heck is happening here? The whole thing was just super duper weird. Super duper weird, and you're like, I don't get it. She is still vexing to this day, uh, by the way. And when I was there, uh, I was there for the speech from the Israeli president, and uh, I, was, I was in the in the in the gallery, and I looked down, and there's Senator Cinema, and in a sea of just black suits and blue suits and blue pantsuits and gray pantsuits, there's Senator Cinema, sleeveless, like she's getting ready to be an extra on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You're like, my God, what is going on here? She's giving hugs. I did, I did not get a hug. I did not meet the senator for, from Arizona. If I did, I'd have many questions. The border is a major story. I'll give you a story. Two U.S. sailors hit with charges tied to national security. As the story goes... Chinese agents allegedly paid two U.S. sailors for information on ships, facilities, and exercises. One uh, attached, uh, assigned to the USS Essex. Uh, the other, uh, who was part of a, uh, a battalion, oh, I have the name of it and I forget it right now. Um, uh, Naval Base Ventura County. There it is. 
We're talking about handing over blueprints, handing over photographs and videos to a Chinese intelligence officer who was posing as a maritime economic researcher in exchange for bribes. Blueprints of a radar system on a U.S. military base in Okinawa, Japan. Now, the two sailors in question are Jin Chao Wei, who went by Patrick, and Wen Heng Zhao, who went by Thomas. Both the U.S. sailors in question, being charged now with basically espionage, um, are Chinese. This creates an issue because it's going to lead people to say, wait, so now I can't trust people who are Chinese in the military? That's not who we are. So we gotta take a we gotta take a, a a breath from that one. We gotta take a stop from that one. Take take a take a beat. Let's start with a baseline. You cannot trust at all the Communist Chinese Party. You want to talk about Trump's arraignment? You can. We will. You want to talk about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden bribes? You can. We will. That is still the biggest story in America. But when you have two sailors selling secrets to the Chinese, that story should get mentioned. And that story is going to get eliminated from the cable news outlets as quickly as it comes up. Can we discuss the fact that the military right now is unsafe, unprepared, and unready? We don't have enough ships. We don't have the right mind. And yes, the teaching of critical race theory is a distraction. And what we need are generals who are interested in teaching a fighting force how to kill people and break things and not worry about their feelings. That's what we need. The military has no place and should not be a place for any social engineering whatsoever. You want to have transgender people in the military? As long as it's not screwing with a readiness of the group, of the team, I'm fine with it. Don't care. You don't want to pay for surgeries? Don't pay for surgeries. Because that's not what the military is for, to pay for your transgender surgery. You do that on your own. You don't want the military paying for abortions, okay? Military doesn't pay for abortions. You will figure out how that that works with readiness, and that'll be that. But any woke teaching that takes away from military readiness, which we have done, is a problem. It is not the place for social change. And the people who are saying, but Tony, those are the people who shouldn't be in charge of the military. Our military is not ready. We don't have the ships, according to uh, President Biden. We don't have the ammunition. And we have way too many people who have decided they should just be able to give away secrets. And they should be able to post this. And they should be able to sell that. And my question is, when does somebody get executed? You know, Tony, it's a Friday. You don't have to be going down that road, man. You could just take like a take a breath and talk about puppies. I actually have stories about puppies. I'll get to it. But when you sell U.S. secrets to the Chinese government, the only follow-up question is, so when do we execute them? You know, it's 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 like that meme. I think it's it's Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner, and Ben Affleck is uh, we need we need to go over. We need to go do this thing. You don't get to ask me any questions. It's going to be illegal. Could be very dangerous. And Jeremy Renner says, "Whose car are we taking?" That's it. That's all there is. You sell secrets to the Chinese. Whose car are we taking? 
That guy's got to go. And the execution should be public as a reminder that turning your back on the United States, treason won't be tolerated. And you say to me, Tony, that's rough. And I'll say to you, we're talking about treason. Anything else, anyone who would do anything else should be dismissed. They're still lying about COVID. Some people think their border matters more than yours. And espionage. Yes, there are stories out there outside of the Trump arraignment. We will talk about it, though. It's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. That is a weird stack. Again, stories nobody's talking about. Robert Bluey, decent, decent dude. Uh, Robert runs a Daily Signal over there for Heritage Foundation. Then there's a whole story about how um, the White House tried to work with Facebook to keep Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's outfit, from posting. That's a whole nother thing. Now, I want to get a little more detail in that. I, I just haven't had a chance to. But this is Daily Signal from Heritage. Over the past three months, the number of reporters with access to the White House dropped by 31%. There are now 442 fewer reporters with a hard pass, which is because of rules the Biden press office put into effect this week. Jim Acosta was an interrupting jerk who also got aggressive with the people, the pages, giving him the, the, the microphone, the aides. And, oh, we, he had to have his pass. He had to be there. 442 fewer reporters? For the record, that's by design. That's to keep people from asking questions. That's to keep people from noticing what's happening. That is to ensure that the right news outlets... The appointed news outlets, the acceptable news outlets, the quote-unquote real journalists are the ones who have the access. Remember, if, if the government could get away with it, they would license journalists. But you don't have to. We need to just decide certain people don't get access. That's the Biden White House. People still want to vote for this? Well, Trump's been indicted. Let's talk about that indictment. It's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. The indictment, in my view, is a failed experiment in government abuse. This is abuse from the Department of Justice towards President Trump. That is different than whether or not we think, you think, I think, separately, individually, together, that Trump was wrong for things that took place leading up to January 6, 2021, wrong the way he handled losing the election, wrong for the way he questioned the election results, not necessarily questioning them in general, wrong for things the way he handled things that happened on that day. That stuff you can think, and we can agree and disagree, and that's fine. Calling it criminal is a whole different conversation now, isn't it? Calling it criminal, being able to meet that threshold, well, that's a whole different thing than, let's say, impeachment. 
My argument has been time and again uh, that this indictment looks like trying to get a redo on impeachment. We couldn't get them this way, so we'll try and get them that way. But that's not what our justice system is for. So it doesn't matter whether you like Trump. With all due respect, I don't actually care. What I care about is that we have a rule of law that gets followed. And it doesn't seem to me or many people who are laymen uh, that the indictment from the special counsel, Jack Smith, these four counts regarding January 6th are about the rule of law. It seems more about the rule of emotion. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Let me bring in William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Now, you... You've been doing a lot on this subject. And when this first broke, I reached out to you. You were traveling. I didn't get a chance uh, to talk to you. And it killed me, William. It just killed me. Uh, but you were on a on a, uh, a, a show yesterday where you asked the question, what is the crime? Now, you're a Cornell law professor. Uh, you run LegalInsurrection.com. The law is is a large part of your life and engaged in it. I have people like William Barr, the former attorney general, saying this, sir. Which is what Trump's attorneys are saying. And they're also saying that he was just exercising his First Amendment right here. Do you think that's a valid argument in your view? No, I really don't think that's a valid argument. Because, you know, as the indictment says, you know, he, he, they're, they're not attacking his First Amendment right. Uh, he can say whatever he wants. He can even lie. He can even tell people that... Uh, that uh, the the election was was stolen when he when he knew better. But uh, that does not protect you from entering into a conspiracy. All conspiracies involve speech and all fraud involves speech. So, uh, you know, free speech doesn't give you the right to engage in a fraudulent conspiracy. So if, if I listen to the attorney general there, the former attorney general, He's kind of declaring this as it was a conspiracy. So he's saying, therefore, there is a crime. What say you, sir? Well, it has to be a conspiracy to commit a crime. I mean, people conspire all the time to do lawful things. They get together, they organize, uh, they you know, have rallies, they do other things. So merely conspiring with other people is not a crime it has to be a conspiracy to do a crime, to commit a crime. And that's what I'm wondering is what is the crime here? Is the crime here contesting the election? That's not a crime. Is the crime here uh, doing what politicians do all the time, uh, lying about the facts of what happened leading up to an election, just like the Democrats still claim that the 2016 election was stolen because of Russian interference. There's no evidence for that. Uh, that's not a crime. Uh, was the crime trying to convince Mike Pence to do something that most people, and certainly I wrote long before January 6th, he had no right to do, which is to refuse to count the votes. But there's an argument there. So he's trying to convince an elected official to do something that's, you know, is that a crime? I'm not really sure if there was a conspiracy, what they were conspiring to do was a crime. It might have been wrong. It might have been something that goes against our norms. It might be something we object to. 
but that doesn't make it a crime. And and, so- and, and it's it's weird to be able to to have to have a conversation about there being a difference in those things. And and really, uh, the the difference between the political world of impeachment and the legal world uh, that we're in with this indictment from uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel. But something you said on the show, and I had brought that up uh, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor of LegalInsurrection.com, uh, that you made, a, 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 I think, a fascinating observation that if the crime is in and of itself the riot and Donald Trump wasn't in the riot, again, you ask this, this unique question of what is the crime? The, the people on the political left will tell you that he instigated it, incited the insurrection, but that's not a part of the complaint from Jack Smith. That's right. I mean, the the riot is mentioned actually fairly towards the end of the 45 page indictment. It's not the focus of the indictment. Focus of the indictment are the interactions with people about selecting alternative or substitute slates of electors that they would then present to Congress. Uh, And and so if the, the actual disruption of the congressional electoral count was the riot, and if the federal government had evidence that Donald Trump incited the riot as a legal matter, he incited the riot, then they should have charged him with that. And then you would at least have a factual connection to the disruption of, of Congress. But as we all know, no matter what Donald Trump had done prior to whatever that time was on January 6th, Congress was ready to vote and ready to count the electors. Nothing had been interfered with. The act that interfered with the counting was the riot. And that is the act they don't charge Donald Trump with inciting. And that's my whole problem with this complaint. Now, it's it's one of uh, Donald Trump's lawyers. And you'll forgive me. Her name has completely left my mind. Completely. Uh, she uh, made a statement. Uh, I think this was either yesterday or, or this morning. Uh, listen. Devin Archer goes to testify in front of the House. That was only after they failed to put him in jail prior to the fact. What happens the next day? The January 6th indictment that we're here for today. This is not a coincidence. This is election interference at its finest against the leading candidate right now for president for either party. Uh... Sometimes coincidence uh, isn't anything but coincidence, you know, to to paraphrase Freud, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Uh, so <laughs> is, it, is it your take uh, that it is a coincidence or could there be an argument made that the DOJ has a history of uh, putting forward the indictment when it is politically advantageous? Well, I, I, I think it's all of the above. Uh, you know, we are on a relatively tight timeline. You could make the argument that what DOJ was doing in District of Columbia was trying to beat Georgia to the punch. Now, prosecutors shouldn't be doing that, but that might have motivated the timing as much as anything. It might be that they had this master plan, or it might just be coincidence. I don't know. I, I don't think it 
at least in the Devin Archer case, I don't think they were motivated by taking the media spotlight off of him. And the, the lawyer, you just play the tape. They were not trying to arrest him prior to his testimony. That, that's just factually not true. So uh, oh, wait, on, on Devin Archer, there was no. Devin Archer. They, they, that, that, that didn't take place. That's a, that's a misconception in the media? Not just the Well, you know, in the circles that we both run in media, yes. Uh, on the Saturday before he was to testify, the because his appeals had been exhausted on the 25th of July, the prosecution wrote to the judge and said, now that his appeals are exhausted three days ago, um, please, you know, schedule at your convenience a date, you know, for his surrender. It okay. was never arrest him before he testifies on Monday. Well, that's, that's important. Not, it's important to know it's really be the people. that we be accurate. OK, 100 percent, you know, and the and the politics aside, you know, but I don't know if the rollout of this indictment the day after he testified was a political strategy. My feeling is probably not. Uh, you know, people had been speculating for multiple days that the D.C. indictment's going to drop any day. Uh, and so my sense is it's probably coincidence. But I understand why people are suspicious, because yeah. DOJ has politicized everything in the in the era of Trump, dating back to the then director of the FBI, Comey, trying to set the new president up his first or second day in office by going to visit him unannounced to the, the legal staff. Let me, so the FBI and the DOJ have very unclean hands. I understand why people are suspicious. And that part is true enough. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And it's important, that conversation about Devin Archer, because, yes, we even have to keep, quote-unquote, our side uh, honest. And when we're misrepresenting something or, you know, we don't have the story straight and accidentally misrepresenting something, we need to correct that. So I appreciate you doing that. Now take me through uh, just uh, a comparison of indictments. The indictment regarding January 6th, these four counts, versus the indictment on the classified documents uh, from Mar-a-Lago. Um, these are both uh, two sides of the same coin, as in there's no crime there? Or does one of these have any level of legs, in your opinion? Well, I've argued since last March, after the Bragg indictment, the Manhattan indictment, which I think is a completely frivolous indictment, is legally frivolous. Uh, and really a shameful that the real threat to Trump legally was the Florida case, was the documents case, because there were no stretches of legal theories there. I know some people defending Trump argue he had the right to take anything with him that he wanted. And the moment he took it with him, it was immediately declassified. I think that's very shaky legally. A judge will determine it and maybe an appeals court will determine it. But I don't think if it's true that he took the attack plans to uh, the U.S. attack plans for Iran with him, uh, there's no no law under which, no legal theory under which he had the right to take that. That wasn't a presidential record. It was an agency record. He didn't have the chance to take our nuclear codes with him if he did that. I'm not saying he did. So the notion that he could take anything he wanted with him, and he, I, I just don't buy that. So the Florida case is not on shaky legal ground. Now, maybe some of it is a stretch. Uh, I think they're going to have to prove the obstruction of justice. You're going to have to prove that if boxes were moved, that Trump was the one who instructed it and that he did it for the purpose 
of preventing the lawyers from reviewing them. So you'd have to prove that he knew in those boxes were documents the government wanted. So there, there's levels of proof there that, but in concept, it's a fairly understandable case that he had records, they were under subpoena, he didn't turn them back, that, that violated multiple statutes, was also obstruction of, of justice. And I do think, look, I'm no friend of the DOJ here, but I think it, it, people need to note, he has not been indicted in Florida for any record he took with him and gave back when they subpoenaed them. It's uh, only the records he didn't give back. Yeah, I am. Uh, Florida to me is a very different case. D.C., I think these are shaky legal grounds. I think, you know, the concept of, you know, deprivation of voter rights and that this was a fraud on the government. I think those are extremely shaky legally. Yeah. And in terms of the uh, obstruction of Congress, I've already said why they haven't pleaded that he did the actual obstruction, which was the riot. I I am one of the people who believes that uh, if the president declassifies, he declassifies. If if he takes it, he takes it, and there's no procedure other than the doing. But I I was happy to hear you say, and and certainly I will defer to you on on the legal side, of course. But I was very happy to hear you say a judge will decide because. That is exactly what's going to happen. I assume that's going to be a Supreme Court decision, sir. But I want to bring you back to this case where President Trump was just indicted, those four counts. President Trump has uh, said that, and he put this out on Truth Social, that he wants the Supreme Court to intercede, uh, saying that this is election interference, what's going on, and there has to be an end put to it. I I ask you, sir, while I've got about 60 seconds with you, the Supreme Court can jump in on a case that hasn't even been heard yet? No. I mean, there would have to be some legal mechanism to get it in front of the Supreme Court. I don't I think they would he would have to ask the judges in each case. And he did in Florida and got turned down the judges in each case to delay this until after the election. Once that's denied. Now, normally you can't appeal that. Normally you can't go to an appeals court or the Supreme Court and nitpick the trial timing or nitpick the evidence. So this would be extraordinary. But this is an extraordinary case. Would an appeals court and would the Supreme Court decide to get involved in what they normally would not get involved in? Uh, normally you have to have a judgment, you have to have an appealable order. Scheduling orders are not appealable normally, but you know, I think once he has asked all the judges to delay these things until after the election and they turn him down, he would then have to petition an appeals court and then the Supreme Court. I doubt they would get involved. I, I think that's a real long shot, but this is extraordinary that a presidential candidate, the likely nominee of a party in a presidential year, election year, is under these assault from multiple angles for events that took place long ago. You know, Manhattan took place seven years ago. You know, uh, D.C. took place in 2020 in the very beginning of 2021. Why now? So I don't think the Supreme Court would get involved or an appeals court. But, you know, they may this may be the exception that proves the rule. Well, they didn't hear in the Supreme Court some of the cases regarding uh, the election like I believe they should have. So I will be surprised if they just jump in uh, here. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. Always appreciate having you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. (music) 
on this indictment, and as President Trump was there for the uh, arraignment, a lot of people making a lot of noise about the fact that the judge uh, referred to President Trump as Mr. Trump. Oh my gosh, wow, what a, what a breach, what a terrible thing, how humiliating. The left is loving it, the right is angry about it. Can we talk about how holy damn petty this all is? It's a courtroom, I don't know. I, I, I should have asked William Jacobson. Do you still refer to him as Mr. President? He didn't lose his title, agreed, but in the courtroom, we, we in, engage uh, maybe a, a different set of protocols. And I've seen Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump uh, appear in many places in, in the written form. Hell, the New York Times, when lying about the connections with Hunter Biden, referred to him as the elder Mr. Biden or the elder Biden. I mean, they, they write all sorts of things. They say all sorts of things. I just think that if this is the thing people are getting wrapped up on, man, they'll get wrapped up on anything. They will get, oh, Trump was irked. I don't care and you don't care. That you would report it is that you're not interested in journalism. You're interested in, yeah, poke him in the eye. Kick him when he's down. Let's throw another bunch of charges at him. We don't care about the law. We care that this is a playground and we're winning the fight. The left sees this as a playground fight. And if they win, they're going to take your playground and so much more. I will dig in. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.